Good day, everyone. Thank you for joining me today. I'm recording this on Friday, October 23rd, which is six and a half weeks into our 10-week weight loss diet. Thank you for all the messages and stories that have been sent to me about your experience during this first half of our diet. It seems, at least it seems, that many of you are getting serious about portion size control and the steps needed to ensure that by the time you get down to your goal weight, you'll be very confident about correct portion sizes, and therefore I think you have a really great chance of keeping your weight off long term. And I hope that you take this as a very, very positive sign, that this may indeed be the last time that you will have to participate in a weight loss diet program. And wouldn't that be freaking amazing? I will state once again that should you not have yet started participating in this 10-week weight loss diet, it doesn't matter whenever you first hear this podcast and decide to start your own program. Just go back to podcast number 71 and follow along and you can lose weight during any 10-week period in the year. So let me quickly give you an update of where I personally stand. If you've been listening... You know that my wedding was this past weekend. You know, I always love learning new things. I think the ability to learn is one of the great joys and pleasures of life. And fortunately, it's something that we can do right up to the moment of our very last breath. And I especially love to learn new things that allow me to be a more effective trainer and diet consultant and the lessons that result in more empathy towards others. To me, these are really the greatest lessons in life, because having the ability to have empathy towards others not only helps them, but ultimately helps ourselves in developing to live a more compassionate life for our remaining years. And as odd as it may seem, what I went through in the preparation leading up to my wedding, and then the event itself, has allowed me to learn lessons that will result in a more empathetic dialogue that I will have with others that are dieting for their own wedding day. If you've recently found me through my endless tweets to wedding hashtags on Twitter, thank you for joining me, and I hope that some of the information you receive will end up being useful and applicable to your own quest. Prior to the preparation for my wedding, I never really knew about the stress and the social requirements leading up to the big day. As friends arrived from around the country and also from Mexico, I found myself several times in situations where we were doing things for preparation and did not take the time to pause to eat correctly. And therefore, sometimes after a number of hours without eating, when we finally realized we'd gone a long time without food, Then we ultimately broke down and ordered something that we knew was not healthy, but it was quick and it was satisfying. And certainly the pressure from others that are working side by side with you as they desire comfort food, it becomes difficult because you don't want to exclude them and you want to be part of the bigger picture in getting everything ready. And so you go along with their suggestions and you end up eating food that is very counterproductive to your overall goal. But, and this is a big but, let me make it clear, I'm not in any way putting the responsibility onto others. 
even in the worst of conditions, we ultimately choose what we put into our mouths. No one is holding me down and force-feeding me. It's by choice. However, due to these circumstances and the time restraints and the pressure and the stress, bad decisions can be made, and I have to admit they certainly were at times. And I do now know in my future counseling of people who are getting ready for a wedding, I will understand more of exactly what happens in the 14 days or so leading up to the wedding and how that pressure builds. And then faced with the social situations you end up in, well, I'm going to suggest even more planning of food. Because if I had truly known the circumstances that I was going to be faced with, I think I would have had the foresight to create prepared food kept in meal-sized containers in the refrigerator that I could then reach for quickly when others were ordering takeout to be delivered. So, a lesson to be learned, for sure. Now, when I weighed myself three days ago on Tuesday morning the 20th, I was still 176 pounds. I did not gain or lose from the last two weeks. Several nights during the week leading up to the wedding when a bunch of us were really tired after going out and trying to do some last-minute things to get the reception together, we all decided, and myself certainly included, we decided to get pizza and a few unhealthy sides. And then another night, some Chinese food. And those ended up being my dinner. And, you know, afterwards, after everyone went home on those nights, I have to admit, I was depressed about it. Because here I am working so hard, and then one thing like that can really throw me off completely. But I've reset myself, and now for the recovery aspect. And so I did the things that I talked about in the last podcast. Starting on Tuesday of the wedding week, I started reducing my calories by 500 per day leading up to the event. And then did the same thing the three days following the wedding. My saving grace ended up being this caloric reduction. And if you're not sure what I'm speaking about, please listen to the last podcast, podcast number 77, where I talk about it in detail. The day of the wedding itself, I have to admit, I actually did very well. At the reception, I only tasted a small bit of the food. It ended up that I did not have any of the wedding cake at all. It just... The way the circumstances went, I was too busy and just didn't get around to it. I did make a choice a few days prior, however, that I was going to allow myself some champagne for celebration, even though I had been taking 2015 off from alcohol completely. So I ended up having two flutes of champagne and um, one shot of peach vodka that a dozen or so of the Mexican guys decided we needed to do as a group. And I'm really glad I did that. It was an awesome bonding experience. But then starting the very next day, the day after the wedding, alcohol was shut off again. And I've not had any additional liquor and I will not actually through the remainder of the year. I'm happy with the self-control that I ended up using on my wedding day. And I'm pleased I celebrated with the champagne. After all, we only get what? maybe three or four wedding days in our entire lives. Why not enjoy them? I mean, one wedding day, sorry, one wedding day. Oops, honey, if you're listening, I meant 
one wedding day in your life. (laughs) Meanwhile, let's talk about diet. My name is Joey Hernandez, and this is Studies of Weight Loss Programs, the 78th episode of uh, the Life After 30 podcast. So in a previous podcast, podcast number 69, I talked about my experiences working for one of the large weight loss companies. I gave you an insider's view on the training, the food, the diet consultations. Basically, I tried to give you the information that you would not normally know to allow you to have a better opportunity to assess whether or not going to one of those large weight loss companies would be right for you. Now, you've all heard about the big ones. They're advertised on TV, usually with a celebrity client, promising the effectiveness of that particular weight loss program. My experience was with one of the main ones, working there for just under one year. It was an eye-opening experience, to say the least, and I'm very glad I had the opportunity to work there and learn the ins and outs of how these companies operate. But I've said countless times that you can lose weight on just about any diet program because you're enthused and excited at the start and you follow their plan, which inevitably works. Why? Because of caloric reduction. But they present it and they camouflage it and build your excitement. And so for a time, And sometimes it's all the time you actually need to lose your particular amount of weight loss if you don't have that much to lose. But for a time, you do lose weight. Everybody does. And everyone does on just about any caloric reduction diet. But as we know, that's never been the problem. You have lost weight in the past, probably quite successfully one or two of the times that you tried. Losing weight just isn't that big of a deal in the first two to three months. You get motivated, cheered on, your successes are celebrated, and you work your best at it. So, of course, of course, you lose weight. Everybody does, except for those very few who have issues that go beyond what can benefit from a basic diet counseling. Everybody else will indeed lose weight, and that is how these companies exist. They state, oh yes, yes, Susie Homemaker did in fact lose weight on the program. It's a success. It's what you need. It's what everybody needs. Join this program and you will be successful. But how exactly does one define successful? How does one determine if a weight loss diet is successful as time continues on after you finish the program? Does it in fact hold up? for long-term weight maintenance? Or are you destined to always have to return to join a weight loss diet again? In April 2015, ABC News put out an article that stated, quote, little scientific evidence behind most weight loss programs study finds, unquote. A new study was conducted that reviewed more than 4,200 studies that evaluated various weight loss programs. So this, in fact, was a study about studies. The evaluation was done by Johns Hopkins University, and it covered large commercial programs, 
self-directed regimens and those that fall in between. And the result of this study on studies found that only a few dozen of the studies that were done were actually done in a way that would be considered to be scientifically rigorous and reliable. And even less than a few dozen showed modest evidence of sustained weight loss over one year. Again, we see a problem in the maintenance aspect of weight loss. Dr. Kimberly Goodzoon, the study lead author, stated that she had hoped that there would be more rigorous scientific studies of these programs. But in the review that she did, it shows that there were at least some studies that did in fact show long-term evidence for weight loss. And she and her team wrote that in a study published in the Annals of Internal Medicine. Dr. David Katz, who's director of the Yale University Prevention Research Center, states that although weight loss programs have their shortcomings, most of them have at least some benefit when compared to not doing anything at all. There is clearly some weight loss benefit to a structured program as opposed to no program. It was further mentioned that the larger commercial weight loss programs have funded trials. Others that may be as good or even better then those commercial programs cannot afford to have these studies done. So we end up hearing about the same programs over and over again. So although there is very little data to support many of the weight loss programs that exist, that does not translate into that weight loss is a hopeless goal. It is important that you find what you can do and what works for you and follow through with the guidelines of that program, whether it's a recognized program or even one that you develop yourself. The article concludes saying, adopting a healthier lifestyle is a challenge, but the right approach combined with support from your doctor, family, and friends may help you drop those pounds and pick up the healthy benefits. But folks, I want you to remain optimistic. There used to be a belief amongst health professionals that 95% of people who have dieted and lost weight ultimately rebound and regain all of that weight back. That was talked about for years and years in the industry. Now, where that 95% figure came from, I don't think anyone truly can zero in and know. But as far back as 16 years ago, this 95% rebound rate had begun being questioned. There was a study that was done in 1959 that appears to be the initial groundwork for coming up with this 95% rate. But since that study was published, countless other ones have argued that that figure appears to be disproportionately high. In the late 1990s, a group was formed that was called the National Weight Control Registry. Through various ways of collecting data, this registry collected stories from individuals of their history and their weight loss successes. They specifically compiled data on subjects who had lost at least 30 pounds and had maintained that loss for a period of at least one year. And the results that they found were both surprising and optimistic. They found that on average, respondents lost 67 pounds and had maintained that for five years. 
between 12% and 14% had lost over 100 pounds and had been able to maintain that amount of weight loss. Now, the only problem that I personally have with this data compiled is that they did it through questionnaires and magazines and other print media. So the answers were stated by the respondents and the collectors of the data just took people's word as the truth. We have to realize that there would be a large margin of error under those kinds of circumstances of collecting data. But what I want you to take away from this today is twofold. Number one, I want you to realize that the claims that you will hear from the various weight loss companies regarding their success rates, the taste of their foods, the ease of their programs, they're all subjective. You will see a disclaimer that almost every company will place in an ad, and of course it's in the tiniest print possible. They will state, quote, results not typical, unquote. If you've been a listener to my podcast for a while, you must know that truth in advertising, or I really should say the lack thereof, is something that pisses me off to no end because people try their best. And it's hard enough to do it with correct information, never mind information that gives a false sense of security. One of those weight loss programs could literally have only one person that had a high success rate. And of course, that could be because of factors not only of the weight loss program specifically, but perhaps other lifestyle choices, etc., entered into the picture in their particular success. But the weight loss company could plaster the photo of this person all over their advertising, talking about how this person lost a large amount of weight and that it was easy and it was fun. And as long as they put that little disclaimer of results not typical that could literally be the only person that ever had success with that program and they're allowed to advertise it that way. It is frustrating as hell. But the number two thing I want you to take away is the knowledge that you can succeed. Even if you want to believe that 95% of people rebound with their weight, that leaves 5% of success. And there's no reason on this planet that you cannot be one of that 5%. But the knowledge that the success rate is in fact higher than the 5% previously thought, well, it just gives you more of a possibility of your success. And also remember, studies have to be funded. And unfortunately, many studies are funded from groups whose interests will be benefited from the study results skewing a certain way. And as I've said before, if a business exists to conduct studies, if that's what it does, it's a study business, and they want to stay in business, they had better be giving at least some of the results that the company that's paying for the study is looking for. If a study company constantly gave bad results, showing that the product being tested is not valuable, the study company would find it difficult to retain business. Folks, it ultimately boils down to what works best for you. Weight loss is weight loss. It's not rocket science. Some methods may prove to be easier for you than others. Some other diets may include facets with interpersonal communication or adjunct products that you can buy that motivate you. 
Or a diet can be written to just be nutritious and balanced and consisting of real food, like the diet that I laid out for you. There are so many options for you to choose from, and you will lose weight. But we know that's not the problem. The problem exists in finding a method that will work for you and allow you to keep your weight off long term once you finish the program. And that is what I want you to concentrate on. If you look at any specific diet, or especially if you're looking at a weight loss diet company, start by looking at what they offer as a maintenance aspect. Because no matter how wonderful initial weight loss is, that is not what's going to drive your success. If your particular chosen diet does not address the maintenance issues, that diet may not in fact be for you. So we still right now have over a month before the official holiday season kicks in. Now is the time to plant your heels firmly in the ground and get down and dirty and get the deed done. If you want to go into the holiday season feeling better and looking better, then don't put it off any longer. You can use the time between now and the end of the year to really get on point with your diet and nutrition. So that when your friends are just getting ready to start their New Year's resolutions, you, my good friend, will already be so far ahead of the pack that you will see clearly that you are going to win. So this has been the 78th episode of the Life After 30 podcast. Please take a moment and subscribe so that you can stay with us each week as we explore more issues of diet and fitness. If you're on iTunes, please subscribe. And giving me a five-star rating would be so appreciated. Please do that. If you listen to me via some other method, please subscribe through that also. And my disclaimer follows as usual. If you've not heard it before, please take a moment to listen to it. Meanwhile, I'll be back shortly with another episode and I wish you the very best in your weight loss. My name is Joey Hernandez. Thank you for joining me today. Bye for now. Hey folks, Joey Hernandez here of the Human Construction Site podcast, and this is a pre-recorded disclaimer that I'm going to insert into each episode of the podcast. So please give me just a moment of your listening time and listen to this disclaimer. First of all, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the Human Construction Site podcast. I hope that the information that you receive from the podcast is unique and useful to you in your quest to live a healthier and more vibrant life. I have been a personal trainer for over 30 years. This podcast and the Human Construction Site blog that it is tied to are based on my opinions and my experience working with clients all these years. I am not, 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 not a doctor. I ask that any and all information that you receive from me, as well as anywhere else on the internet or on TV or on websites, books, wherever the source, that you discuss that and review it with your personal physician before implementing any kind of lifestyle changes. Your doctor knows you best. He or she knows your personal medical history, knows your medications, your family's history, and together 
you with your physician should have a dialogue to ensure that any changes are right for you. So please, 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 please consult your doctor. Thank you. <laughs>